Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Peace out. Peace out 2023. It's the last show of the year, and it seems just absolutely surreal to me that we are at the closing of 2023 and that it has now been over a year for my talk show. I remember it was last year. We did the big New Year's Eve show and focused on events. We're going to do things a little differently this year, but nonetheless, still want to mark the new year in Connecticut and talk about a few things that are on my mind, look back. You know, it's at the end of the year when I personally, me, myself, Morgan Cunningham, feel most thankful. For most people, it seems that that happens on Thanksgiving. And for others, it might happen around the holidays like Christmas. And there's no doubt that I certainly do feel thankful at those holidays. It's just that the new year for me marks the end of one chapter and a hard end, and one that affects us every single day. Like, you know, we've got to change writing the date. We go from December 31st, 2023 to January 1st, 2024. You know, you're making that change every single day. You're writing that date. And so you're cognizant, in my mind at least, of the transition that's happening. And so what I tend to do is at the end of every year and at the beginning of every new year, I look back. I look for growth. I look for opportunities to grow more in the next year. I look for ways maybe to change some of the things that I'm doing or do a little bit more or, you know, whatever. I, it's just a time of reflection for me and a time to be thankful, a time for me to think of a bunch of people and reach out to them and communicate with them as I look forward to another year with them. I'm seeing a bunch of friends tonight for a big gathering, a lot of fun. And we're going to be responsible. I have to note that as well. I just, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing them and telling them all that uh, I've appreciated yet another year with them and looking forward to more fun and shenanigans in the year to come. <laughs> Again, responsible shenanigans. I've got to point that out. So I want to wish everybody in the Spotlight Connecticut a very happy new year. Hopefully it's a year that is peaceful for us. I know that some aspects of 2023 have been great and other aspects have been a bit chaotic. That's to be said, I think, of every year, though, especially 2020, at least in recent memory. So I hope that everybody has a happy and healthy 2024. Cliché to say, I know, but I do mean it. I really do. And if you've been in this audience since day number one, which was November 19th of 2022, I thank you. If you discovered the show sometime this year, again, I thank you. It doesn't matter how much you listen. doesn't matter when you listen. What matters is that you're here and that we're spending this time together. So I wanted to appreciate everything that you guys have made possible for me. This talk show has grown so much, and I'll mark that a little bit as we go throughout the hour and share some updates on some talk shows and topics that we introduced to you here on Spotlight Connecticut. One of those topics was about the group Beyond Purple. Now, technically, that was introduced at the very end of 2022, but it became a recurring topic. You see, they're a local band that's a tribute to acts like Whitesnake, Dio, Rainbow, of course, the band Deep Purple, and they call themselves Beyond Purple. And in the last year and a half or so, Beyond Purple has experienced a lot of growth. And when I say a lot of growth, I mean they went from playing just your average Joe Barr in Greater Hartford to playing travel gigs. They've been in Pennsylvania. They've got a show coming up in Virginia, way down south in good old Virginia. 
They have been in upstate New York. They've been in Massachusetts. They've been on the outskirts of Boston. They, um, you know, they, they've been everywhere. And I think that they have some more opportunities coming up. They did a big biker show down in Maryland, for crying out loud. They've teamed up with a larger booking agency because they are that top-notch. And I had Jimmy Bell, who had auditioned once upon a time for Ozzy Osbourne. He's a Weathersfield native. He tours around the world, around the world. I think the one place he hasn't been to is Australia, and he wants to be there, and something tells me one day that will happen. And um, I really wanted to get active with Beyond Purple on the show, so I've done some concert reviews of theirs. I've had Jimmy on the program once. I know he wants to come back again, so we'll have him on at another point in time. But I do have some sad news I want to share about Beyond Purple, and I don't want to get too into it. I don't want to be too negative this week. But it is worthy of a mention, and I was going to bring this up last week, but it was the Christmas holiday, and I didn't want to bring down the mood. Um, We want to say goodbye and farewell and rest in peace to Mark Zito. Mark Zito of Middletown. He was the keyboardist in Beyond Purple, and he had been on the Connecticut music scene since the 1980s. He was in Destiny way back when, and a number of other groups and iterations. And if he wasn't performing, he was doing some production work behind the scenes. He did studio work a little bit down in New York City. I know he dabbled in that, and he contributed to a lot of music that came out of greater Connecticut in the last, say, 40 years. And that is a heroic effort because the music industry is a difficult industry to be in. And yet Mark Zito made it happen with skill, with class, with big hair. He was a big advocate for having big hair. If you're in a rock band, Mark Zito wanted your image to be big hair. Call it dated maybe, but uh, it worked for him. Everybody recognized him for his big hair. And um, he passed away rather suddenly on Friday, December 22nd. And um, I got the news right around that time, from a close friend, mutual friend. And uh, I couldn't believe it because he had a show coming up with Beyond Purple, and I guess they're still honoring their dates. I don't know exactly what they're doing. But I um, I know that he was to perform as soon as New Year's Eve, and then again on the 6th. And they had another show the following weekend, like I said, coming up in Virginia. And so um, my heart goes out to the Beyond Purple family, Um, I'm particularly close with Jimmy and Brian, Brian the bassist, but, um, you know, I got to know all of them and Mark was always kind to me. He was kind to everybody. And so, uh, that one hit home a little bit and the fact that happened around Christmas didn't make it any better, but I'll remember Mark as a very talented musician, anybody that had the chance to see him. And I know that he had a strong, strong following in greater Hartford, much of new England for that matter. Um, if you hadn't heard the news, and chances are if you're a fan of his, you did hear the news in the past week. I just wanted to bring that up on Spotlight Connecticut and say rest in peace to a very talented Connecticut musician, no doubt, and in my mind that he was one of the finest keyboardists ever to come out of the nutmeg state. If I may, I'd like to say that I posted information earlier this week on my social media about a show that Beyond Purple will be doing at Four Seasons by the Lake in Stafford Springs. It's literally by a lake, and they're there all throughout the year. 
But they will be doing a show tomorrow in memory of Mark. It will be dedicated in memory of Mark. They were to play there anyway. But what is going to come of this is a portion of the proceeds that are raised through tickets and so forth and so on that the band makes by performing at Four Seasons by the Lake. They're there from 3 to 6 in the afternoon. What they make, they're going to donate a portion of to Mark's family to help cover the lost situation. So if you want to learn a little bit more about this, it is happening New Year's Eve. I've got some of the information that is online and public on my social medias, Facebook, Instagram, X, formerly known as Twitter. All you've got to do is look for me. My username, my handle, if you will, is at MC News Talk, at MC News Talk, and you should be able to find some of that information there about the show that Beyond Purple is going to be doing New Year's Eve, 3 to 6 in the afternoon. Maybe a little bit of an unusual time, but hopefully it will get some people out there that wouldn't really want to be out on the roads at, say, 10 or 11 or midnight. Um, So they're doing a little earlier, as was originally planned, as was to happen with Mark. And they're going to take a portion of the proceeds, and they're going to donate it over to Mark's family, again, to help with the loss situation. So if you're looking for any information about that, other than what I have just talked about on Spotlight Connecticut, you can go over to my social medias. My username on Facebook is at MC News Talk. So if you go into the search bar, you type in at MC News Talk. If you're on X, formerly known as Twitter, same handle, at MC News Talk. And also on Instagram, at MC News Talk. Rest in peace, Mark. No doubt you'll be missed. And I just wanted to say, talking about Instagram for a moment, um, as you know, I launched my Instagram right before Christmas, so that's something to reflect on in 2023. And I'm surprised at all of the love between all three of the platforms. The love that I'm getting on Instagram just absolutely astonishes me. If I just mention my username, I get all of these follows, um, and all these people interacting with my content. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So uh, as somebody said when I first announced it on the air, they sent me a message. I'll never forget her name, Karen. <laughs> she says, welcome to the real world. So I'm on Instagram, at MC News Talk. I'm Morgan Cunningham. It's the New Year's special, 2023, getting ready to welcome 2024. Stay with us. This is WTIC in Hartford. Spotlight, Connecticut, where you heard Mr. Grease for Peace, Bowser. The only person standing in front of you all was my mother. Spotlight, Connecticut, available as an Odyssey podcast, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotlight, Connecticut, with Morgan Cunningham. Bowser, who will be back with his ultimate rockin' doo-wop party, at Mohegan Sun at the Big Arena on January 14th. And it will be next Saturday, folks. Drum roll. Drum roll. It's going to be Jay Siegel of the Tokens. You know the song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Him. Him. Jay Siegel, the guy that sang that way back in 1961. He has been doing these shows with Bowser for years. I mean, just... I don't know. I think Bowser's done just shy of 25, or maybe he's done 25 of these rock and doo-wop parties. I, I tell you, Jay has been there for most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. And when I had the opportunity this year to bring Bowser back on, possibly, I thought to myself, well, he has such an entourage of talent that plays with him. Um, I wanted to get someone else's story. 
no no offense to Bowser. I love him dearly, and I think we'll have him back on again in the future. But Jay has always moved me. Um, he tells a story about how his granddaughter went to school, and they're saying, uh, tell us something unique about yourself. And she says, well, my grandfather, he sang The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And everybody, all the kids laughed at him. They know uh, they know the song because of The Lion King, the movie, right? And the teacher didn't believe her. And she went home all sad. And Jay Siegel, he said, well, I'll go to school and I'll prove him. I'll prove him wrong. And that's exactly what he ended up doing. And uh, <laughs> he tells that story every single year, among others. And uh, he just stands out to me as someone who is very talented and always has an anticipated part of the concert series that they do. And so I um, I wanted to get Jay on the program. So he will be here next Saturday afternoon at 2, Jay Siegel of Jay Siegel's Tokens, only on Spotlight Connecticut. We'll have a great conversation, I'm certain, throughout the hour. One of the standout talk shows to me this year, we had Bowser on, and then about six weeks later, February 11th, brought on Brendan Hall. And it was a personal show for me, personal in the sense that I knew Brendan. I knew Brendan when, right? We went to high school together. He was two grades ahead of me. And I often tell the story about how he was on our closed-circuit television news station, which I ended up becoming a part of, in large part because Brendan and his gang at the time, there were some very skilled people, but Brendan always stood out to me as most skilled. But uh, that whole crew, when I started to go to high school at Ram High School in Hebron, they really inspired me to go down the path of going into the broadcast journalism class, which did the TV news special every single morning. And there was one introduction that Brendan produced, and it was absolutely top-notch. You, you just had to see it. It was that good. And it moved me for all these years. Brendan ended up graduating, no surprise at all. He ended up going to study video and photography, and he has done projects with National Geographic. He has been part of documentaries. Then I heard word that he was about to go to space. What? (laughs) You go from shooting videos and taking pictures for National Geographic to going to outer space, and I said, what? And the person who told me that said that it was not a lie and that it was really happening. So for the first time in probably 10 years, I reached out to Brendan Hall and I said, hey, do you remember me from high school? And he did. And we reunited and he came on and did the talk show with me all about Dear Moon. He had been selected. He applied to be part of Dear Moon, which was a project between MZ, who is a billionaire, and Elon Musk's SpaceX. And he was selected to be part of a civilian crew. I think they had selected somewhere around a dozen or 15 people to be on the crew. And his task was to document the moon and the Earth in a way that has never been documented before. So he was to take his cameras and everything into outer space, storyboard this in his head ahead of time, and capture the story of going around the moon as the first civilian crew to go around the moon and back to Earth in six or seven days' time. That was his task, document it. And it was supposed to happen at the end of 2023. Now you're hearing me talk in the past tense, so I think that you know what I'm trying to prepare you for is that it's not happening at this point in time. I'm sorry to bring that update to you, 
because we are so excited in February. This was supposed to happen sometime in quarter four of this year, if not um, right around now or the very beginning of 2024. There hadn't been a hard date set yet, um, and and it's not happening. It's being pushed out because they want to do more tests. And you know what? I'm clapping for SpaceX because they realize that we need to make sure that this is safe. They realize that this can't just be a fly-by-night operation because all these people's lives are counting on them. Counting on them to get out to space safely and back home safely. And if they feel that it's not ready, that it's time, obviously, to think again, rework it a little bit more, do some more tests, and get that confidence. But when that will happen, I don't know. I just, I feel bad for Brendan. I really do. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe he doesn't feel bad. I don't know how he's feeling. I just feel bad because he was ready to die for this mission. Listen. Happy tears um, in disbelief, but also that really serious uh, moment when my mom turned to me and she said, she was like, don't die. Like, I can't, I can't lose you. I can't have anything happen to you. And I support you doing this. And this is such an incredible thing. But uh, just know, like, this is, this is a real decision you're making. You mentioned how your mom's reaction was, don't die. Have you been worried at all about any kind of mishap? What are your emotions about that aspect, the safety and the potential danger involved? Yeah, no, and it's a really important question. It's one I still take very seriously, and I made the decision, I think, based on feeling like this was something special, feeling like, aside from just the historic nature of it, I mean, we'd be, or will be, the first civilian crew ever in deep space and ever around the moon, and kind of potentially help be pioneers of this new era of privatized spaceflight where uh, many, many, many more people in our lifetimes will get the chance to do this. This is just the very beginning, which is cool. But feeling that gravity that I could be a part of something like that, uh, talking to MV and really getting a sense that his intentions were pure and that he wanted to do something meaningful with this and believing that deeply, which I still do, those are the reasons I decided to do this. At the end of the day, like life's short and so much can happen. You never know what's going to happen. And so many kind of impossible, improbable things it led to that moment of me being selected where I kind of decided during that process that if I get selected for this, I've decided I'm going to take the leap and go for it. Now, do I have those fears? Definitely. And when I'm strapped into that rocket, will I be nervous and thinking about that? Like, absolutely. I'm human and, and that's really scary stuff. But I think I'm also at the point where I've decided to do this and I'm proud to do this. He was supposed to be a hometown hero, and he will be for different reasons, like all of his documentaries and photography work. But I just don't know if he'll ever get the chance to go to space. I hope that he does. But, you know, if it's five, ten years out, what will his physical condition be? Financial? Family? Will he have kids? Would he make that same decision as he is now in his late 20s? Will he do that if he's, say, 40 years old? Will Dear Moon keep the same crew? that they originally lined up. I, I just, I don't know. But I did have to bring that update as disappointing as it may be for everybody in Spotlight Connecticut land. Stay with us. We'll be back. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Dolly Parton's a rock star. I got to tell you, I'm impressed by the whole new rock star album that she has put out. 
I really am. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but I have been seeing it for sale in many places where music is sold as a CD. I don't know if I've seen it for sale as vinyl. I'm sure that it has been pressed as vinyl because vinyl has seen such a resurgence in recent years. Everybody just has to have vinyl. But in any case, I've been seeing the CD for sale in many places, the most unusual of which is at Cracker Barrel in East Windsor. Now, obviously, Dolly is a country singer, and they're more inclined, I guess, to sell country music, but that's not country Dolly. But they took a chance on it, and the whole rack where they had that CD for sale have been decimated. In other words, I bought the last CD copy that there was of Dolly Parton's Rockstar. Now, you just heard me play it on the radio. I don't know if anybody else in Connecticut radio has given that album a chance, but they should. And she has collaborated with plenty of rock stars. For instance, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr are on there. Sting is on there. Elton John does piano on one track. Surprisingly, she convinced Steve Perry to sing with her for a version of Open Arms. The one that I just played, Getting Back Into Spotlight, Connecticut, happened to be with Joan Jett, I Hate Myself for Loving You, a song that Joan originally did over 40 years ago. And now there it is, Dolly doing lead with help from Joan Jett herself. And I want to shout out some listeners now. One of them is Dana Vincenzi. Dana and I used to work together in radio. And she still listens to me. And on Christmas Day, she sent me just the sweetest text message that there could have been. In fact, she sent it in the form of a video, not in the form of your usual traditional text via word. She actually recorded a little 45-second video and sent it over to me. And in there, she confessed that I am, in fact, her new favorite radio personality. Well, Dana, that means a lot, and I don't think that she's saying that just because we work together. I can tell you that she is brutal. If she doesn't like something, if she doesn't like you, you will know about it. All right, she's not shy. Um, She is very confident in herself, and so I don't think that she is blowing smoke. I think that she means it. And one of the things that she said specifically is that I'm not afraid to play music on an AM talk radio station. (laughs) Ha, ha. And I think that she's specifically referring to the Christmas show last week where we played some full-length Christmas songs. No, not just my usual one minute of bumper music, but in fact, full-length Christmas songs. So, Dana, Merry Christmas to you, belated, of course, and wishing you the best for 2024. I think that you've got a good year ahead. So, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Another person I want to say Happy New Year to is Colleen Palawoda. Now, I hope that I'm pronouncing her name correctly because we're about to talk about Bob Steele. And Bob was a stickler for getting things right. And I think that I've got her name right, Colleen Palawoda. She listens to Spotlight Connecticut, and I hear from her from time to time in emails. And she has, in every email, including the most recent, which I'll read to you, she refers to me as the next Bob Steele. Now, Listen, Colleen, that is sweet of you to say, and maybe there are some similarities because I'm a quirky guy, and I know that Bob had some quirks, but there are some fundamental differences, and I'm not trying to be a copycat. Anything that may resemble Bob Steele and his style, anything that I do um, that you hear or that anybody else happens to hear, it is just purely coincidental. It's not something that I'm trying to be. It's not someone I'm trying to pretend to be. You know, I've got a bunch of radio idols and heroes, and Bob Steele's one of them, although I was 
five years old when he died. Six, actually. I was six years old when he died in 2002. And so I don't remember him personally. I don't remember ever listening to him live on the radio, but I do remember listening to recordings of him, especially in more recent years. I'll get to that in a second. And so he's been an inspiration and kind of this guiding light, I think, of what 1080 should be, to a degree at least, or to the standards that the station should be held. And I also believe that there are plenty of other people who've contributed greatly to radio broadcasting, but I don't want to be any of them. I want to be myself. I want to be Morgan. But she writes, and I'm going to read it to you all in the Spotlight Connecticut audience, because I'm so thankful for everybody that listens to the show. Hi, Morgan. I heard part of your interview on Spotlight Connecticut today. That would be with my friend Sean Hayes. She wrote this last week. Great job. I listen to you daily, and I've listened to WTIC for many years. And I can tell you without a doubt that you're the best thing to have happened to WTIC since Bob Steele. I know that that's high praise, but it's deserved. You're making your mark daily with your mix of strong voice. That's why Mark the Shark calls me big voice, right? Sense of humor, easy banter with the other personalities, and interesting Connecticut interviews. Keep up the great work. Well, I wrote back to Colleen a few days later, and I wish her a Merry Christmas, and I thanked her for listening, and I said, you're going to want to listen to Spotlight Connecticut this week, and there's a reason why. And this is why. Good morning. It's Bob Steele on Oh, what could I possibly have up my sleeve? Bob Steele, a part of Southern New England on WTIC. Am I going to risk my job and play a third jingle in a row? Yes. Yes, I am. But why? Why, may you ask? Well, it's because WTIC is getting ready to celebrate 100 years of broadcasting, and it is an effort that I have been leading now for a few years. I started this process back in 2020. I tracked down all kinds of master recordings. You know, people have told me, people who work here, oh, Morgan, nothing's been saved. There's no audio. None none of this. None of that. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Okay, well, the reality is that if you know people, if you know who to ask, and if you take the time to do some networking with folks that used to work with WTIC, you'll find that there is, in fact, a huge audio collection out there in people's personal collections, and that they have been more than willing to give me tapes, recordings in all kinds of formats, tape mostly, and they give them to me to digitize because I specialize in digitizing media when I am in my free time. And so for the last few years, I have been amassing tapes, tape after tape after tape from people from their personal collections related to WTIC. And I have been digitizing them all in preparation for our 100-year anniversary. Now, we are going to have at the end of every month This is what will be of interest to Colleen and many other people. This is why I played all those jingles, to tease the fact that we are going to pay tribute to WTIC's 100 years of broadcasting on Spotlight Connecticut. The last Saturday of every single month will be devoted to WTIC history, but it's not going to be in the weeds. 
It's not just going to be audio cuts and it's not just going to be reading a timeline. I'm going to bring back people that used to be part of the station and I'm going to put them on at the end of every month on Spotlight Connecticut. We're going to call it the broadcaster at 100 and I'm going to ask them for their perspective on WTIC's past and how it relates to the present and what that can mean for the future. And obviously, Bob Steele being a big part of our station, he was here for 66 years up until the time he died. Um, I recorded this year with two of his three living sons. He had four boys. One of them, Steve, has passed away. I recorded with Phil, and I recorded with Robert H. Robert H., who was the former Connecticut congressman and ran for governor and lost to El Grasso. And we had a long conversation about that, and maybe that will be for another Spotlight Connecticut, because that was a fascinating recording that I did with Robert H. Steele. But for the purpose of our anniversary, we talked about this guy, Bob Steele, who came to Hartford in 1936. And when he celebrated 50 years with WTIC, he recalled that story. Well, I didn't come here to do radio. I, I came here to, to work for a guy at a motorcycle races. I did the publicity for him and a lot of PR work, you know. And uh, then did the public address work at the stadium, see? And just talking to the people over the microphone, uh, some radio people, uh, of course, uh, went to the races, heard me. Some guy says, why don't you try to get a job at the radio station, you know? I says, well, I've, I've tried a million times to get a regular staff job, you know, and taking auditions, but nobody ever take me, so I says, uh, I wouldn't even think about it. I never thought any more about it till the day I was, day before I was to leave town to go back to California. I didn't know they were holding an audition or anything. So I took an audition, I went in to talk to the boss, he said, go to work tomorrow if you want to. As I researched Bob Steele, I learned that he had auditioned for two other Hartford area radio stations, both of which rejected him. So could you imagine what history would have been if they had actually hired him and Bob didn't come to WTIC? Wonder what would have happened. And as I dug through all of these recordings, I had hundreds of Bob Steele tapes. That is not an exaggeration. I came across his very last show as a full-time host in 1991, and he remembered what it was like when he came to Hartford in 1936. And here's part of that recollection. I don't see anybody around here in this room, a room that's full of photographers and reporters, people. But nobody around here has been around long enough to reminisce about 1936 when I came to Hartford and at WTIC when I came to work on a trolley car. Now, that's how far back it was. A lot of people say, trolley cars in Hartford? Absolutely. We used to have trolley cars running down this narrow Asylum Street in the downtown area. And if you stepped off the sidewalk, <laughs> you're liable to get hit by one of them. You had to be very careful in those days. And we didn't have any of these big buildings around here that we have today. It was uh, quite a different uh, town. Talk about living history. And a lot of people would remember Bob for his storytelling abilities. I recall a speech I gave some years ago to the inmates at the old state prison in Wethersfield. I was there just for the evening, and I was to have a couple of minutes to address some 400 inmates who had had a dinner. This is a true story. I didn't know how to address this group, these 400 
inmates, and I, I didn't want to get up and say good evening, gentlemen, because they might think I was being facetious and uh, poking fun at them. And uh, I didn't want to get into any trouble with them. I didn't want to say good evening, friends, uh, although I had a number of friends there at the time. Uh, I live in uh, just a stone's throw from the prison. At that time, I did. I used to throw rocks over there all the time. Those fellas get out from time to time, and uh, who knows? You know, they might drop over to the house if they thought I was an old buddy. So I didn't want to say good evening, friends, and I asked the warden what I should say, how to address them. He said, why don't you just get up and be casual about it, say hello, fellas. So when my time came, I did. And uh, they began throwing stuff, you know, from residue from their plates and buns and vegetables and whatnot. I had misunderstood the warden. I thought he said felons. And as I dug through all of the recordings I could find in the last three or so years of bomb steals, I found the tribute show that was done in his memory the day after he passed away. And my friend and colleague, Chris Francis, who worked that morning, and he worked the last day that Bob Steele happened to actually host a show on WTIC in 2002, I think that he summed him up very well in a series of obituaries that he gave on the air every half hour. This is one of them. It's the return of WTIC 1080 News on the half hour, and here is Chris Francis. Thank you, Arnold. Good morning. There probably aren't many people who don't have some memory of longtime WTIC personality Bob Steele. His family says Steele died yesterday peacefully in his sleep at age 91. He said goodbye to his radio audience for what would be the final time just last month. Time to say adios. Au revoir, dos vidania, auf Wiedersehen, sayonara, and, well, you know, what I'm trying to say is bye-bye. That was November 2nd, 2002. Steele's first day here at WTIC was October 1st, 1936. He was a Southern New England institution known for his wit, corny jokes, and meticulous pronunciation and grammar. His listening audience spanned generations. Speaking on a special Bruce and Colin show yesterday, Governor Rowland remembered Steele, saying his passing marks the end of an era in Connecticut. He's really probably the last legendary figure left. Um, you know, there's really no old politicians left. Maybe, I wouldn't want to call Bill O'Neill old, but I would put him in that legend and lore category. But in terms of personalities and celebrities, uh, clearly... I mean, he dominated for the last 50 or 60 years. Steele was a champion of the goals of literacy volunteers. He had a Hartford Literacy Volunteer Center named in his honor. And his son, Phil, makes this request of well-wishers. Instead of sending any flowers, uh, we would appreciate it if, if, if uh, people would uh, uh, make a contribution, uh, a donation to literacy volunteers or to any uh, worthwhile charity that, that, of their choice in his name. Bob Steele retired from full-time duty in 1991, but was still heard one Saturday a month for most of the year. He died at age 91 on the air at WTIC for most of his adult life. And isn't that amazing that I've been able to find all of these recordings? All the naysayers that told me there were no recordings, I proved them all wrong, and I just found tape after tape after tape. And I'm so excited that throughout the next year, WTIC turns 99, if you can believe it, this coming February, and the following February, 2025, we will turn 100. So we're kind of doing this big march up to 100. So from February of 2024 to February of 2025, at the end of every month on Spotlight Connecticut, we are going to pay tribute to WTIC history with 
guests, audio clips, and so much more. It's going to be a lot of fun. And anybody that's been a fan of our station for any time, if you've been listening in more recent years, if you were listening back in, say, the 50s, 60s, 70s, probably nobody who would remember those earliest years, the first 25 or 30 years, but hey, maybe there is somebody out there. But whoever you are, I am excited to bring you that programming in a big series starting in February of 2024, the very last Saturday of every single month. All right, why not do one more jingle throwback? Why not? Some places are special to ya. The Hartford Civic Center is back. Show music and sports are for ya. The Whalers and the Hellions act. It's your time. It gets better and better. We're in this one together. From February of 1980, I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight, Connecticut. We will be back on WTIC to wrap up our New Year's special. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Kathleen in Norwalk, and I'm listening to Spotlight. Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Well, as I said, we are going to spend a lot of the new year talking about something old. But you know what? With old comes legacy, comes trust. And that's what WTIC's been the last 100 years. So join me throughout the year and we'll have fun looking back. I'm Morgan Cunningham. Happy New Year, everyone. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham.